Hello and welcome to the Rams Review Podcast. Let's get stuck in. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Rams Review Podcast. Um, today I am joined by, as always, Corey. Corey, hello. Jason, how you doing? I'm good, thank you very much. And today is a very special guest. We have got Dan Sexton. How are we doing, Dan? I'm not bad, yourself? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Thank you. Uh, we'll go on to talk a little bit more about what Dan does in a second. Um, one of the reasons we've got, a couple of reasons we've got him on the pod this week uh, is obviously he's got some bits and pieces that he does himself that he'd like to, uh, we, we want to help him get out there. Um, and also one of the things that we're moving on to um, with our podcast ourselves, uh, now the games are back, we're looking to get uh, away fans or opposition fans involved. And, and Dan's luckily a Millwall fan, uh, which fit in quite nice uh, as that's the first game back. So we'll have a, We'll have a good discussion about that first, um, and then we'll go on to more other Derby County Club news as there are other bits and pieces out there. So to start off with, Dan, we'll let you get stuck in. First of all, give us a bit about what you do. Obviously, you're doing some some reviews and, and stuff on online and things like that. Give us a give us a bit of a flavour of what you're up to. Yeah, yeah. So um, I just left school actually in March. I was in the uh, the unlucky uh, year at school. We missed out on our A-levels and stuff. So I thought I'd my time try and get my foot in the door. I want to be a football journalist and I'm older. I set up my own website over lockdown. I've been doing the odd bits and pieces and I've been getting out there trying to speak to as many championship fans as possible, trying to get their views so far on the season. Managers, different owner aspects. Obviously, there's quite a lot going on with regards to clubs like Cholton and Hull with owners and then speaking to play, uh, teams of fans of teams of like Leeds and West Brom who have obviously had a great season want to find out more about their better players find out what the expectations are for football obviously not long now before the championship finally gets going again and just see what it would be like if I managed to get it full time yeah. so how are, you, how are you finding it so far Dan? It's, um, having Twitter is definitely a massive benefit um, I've Sort of in the last year before I set the website up, I have been putting myself out there a little bit, saying to the odd people, like, oh, if you need a Millwall fan, I'm here. Or, like, if you need someone to do a little bit of writing for you, I'm here. So, yeah, it's just now, obviously, I've got the website. I've now got quite a bit of portfolio of work to show if I was to go and apply for something a bit more full-time. So, yeah, it's going all right at the minute. I'm enjoying it so far. I know we, we've... Me and Corey, we've certainly spoken to a couple of people, and uh, Dan, one of the people that we spoke to just recently, is um, he moved from our radio commentary that you get for that covers Derby, um, and he's moved on to more of the the Derby knocking out a, a, their own TV platform. He he moved out. He got the job. Moved it. Moved it out over there. He's he's massive into sports journalism, and obviously that's what he started out to be. And we know yeah. that obviously he had a. He told us a few, few various things about, you know, getting stuck in. Very much sounded, uh, to be honest with you, exactly like you would, you're you doing. He, he just started at a young age, started putting his own feelers about. Of course, you've got to get that break. Um, but, yeah, yeah. you know, if your content's good enough, then somebody will pick you, you know, somebody will pick something up. There's no doubt about that. Um, and yeah, then just, obviously let it grow from there, I suppose. Yeah, sometimes it's just about rather who you know than what you know. So Absolutely. Just about maybe one day I come across a journalist when I'm in the press box one day, maybe gives me a phone number and we go from there. So yeah. just got to keep our, 
fingers crossed. Yeah, no, it's, it's like that in a lot of walks of life. I can assure you. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's definitely, it's definitely not, it's definitely who you know, not what you know. Um, so in terms of obviously you um, you reached out to us about the Derby one and I, you, you may well have you know asked a few of the Derby fans and we, we were more than happy to help and we're more than happy to promote your stuff and obviously after the podcast we'll, we'll pop all your details in there and make sure people um, certainly from a Derby's perspective and we've got other fans obviously they'll make sure they know about your work there's no doubt about that um, yeah. how, have you, how have you found it talking you know getting hold of other fans and things like that I mean we found Certainly, you know, talking, we've only just started with the fan thing, but certainly people not directly involved in the club, we found easier to get hold of. Uh, and then obviously we're, we're trying to take that step up where, you know, you try and speak to a, a current Derby player or an ex-Derby player at a different club at the moment. And you just seem, obviously with the season going on, I fully understand where they're coming from, but it just seems like you get put up against a lot of obstacles that, in all fairness, don't necessarily need to be there. I mean, if if a if a twenty minute podcast is actually going to affect their footballing game, then you know they probably shouldn't even be in the professional yeah. game at all. But I know that's what we found. There's been a few feelers put out there, certainly ex-players and who are still in the game, and it's all a bit like, oh well, after the season's finished or when the pandemic's over or you know that kind of thing. And it's a bit more like, well, I don't really see the need for that. What what have yeah. you what have you found? Um, yeah, I've definitely found getting in contact with fans. It almost feels a bit like a domino effect. You sort of get in contact with one, they seem to know somewhere and somewhere else. So, like, a lot of people that I've found, I actually kind of get, like, two teams to the price of one. I've missed out a couple of clubs. I think I've got Swansea and Wigan are definitely still on my list. Of, and Reading, I think they're the three teams I've got missing at the minute. Um, I think I'm kind of at... Once I've got those done, I think I'm then kind of at the transitioning stage where I want to maybe try and, like, get to, like, an ex-player or something like that. I've seen quite a lot of old Millwall players, there is quite a few sort of Millwall social media platforms um, out there trying to get hold of like the same crop of players, basically. So like if, if someone else gets in, then that's it. You can't really speak to them. So I think it's about trying to find someone who will interest um, the fans and people who want to read or listen, whatever I'm doing at that point, uh, and making sure that they've got enough to say and uh, making sure they haven't done anything too similar before with any other Millwall page. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think, sorry, Jason, I think what you'll find in is uh, Jason and myself have found that, you know, the people who do come on the podcast and people who do want to talk football and stuff, you know, it's just a real cathartic experience for him because, you know, we were just talking off air about the challenges of, of lockdown and everything like that. And we're all kind of this isolated thing. And we mentioned this in a previous podcast that we did with um, some other Americans uh, to talk about Dwayne Holmes is, you know, football is really about family, right? And whether you like Mill or really like Derby at the end of the day, it's just a football club, but we like, we like football. That's the yeah. common denominator that, you know, me, you and Jason are doing this. That's why we do this. This is why you want to be a, a sports journalist because you love the game of football. And I think for us, you know, it's a real, real experience to just meet other people and just, just chat with them. And I think, you know, the, the lockdown has been kind of good for that as well and allowed people to sit back, reevaluate what's going on. Obviously, yeah, you know, the players are at that kind of, you know, if you're going to look at, interview podcast you know it's it's the elite level of interviews it's what everyone's trying to achieve to get but there's a lot of people out there with really cool stories that are tied to clubs as well um and and they do want to share their stories and i think the lockdown's been good for that and 
you know, uh, it's a bit disadvantaged to tell you that now because the lockdown's yeah. <laughs> coming to an end. But, you know, there are people out there that want to tell their stories and, and they are very interested in, in just meeting other people and, and, and whatever. And I think that's the biggest thing is just making that human connection and, and meeting other people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Making sure um, people know like who you are and stuff. And it just comes sort of in, in the weird times, obviously. I've had a lot of, I've seen like this Millwall fan page spring up like out of, like, I know he started before lockdown, but he's kind of got quite big over lockdown, definitely interviewing some more of the more modern players that we've had sort of playing for us. So, um, yeah, fair play to him. So that's obviously like the sort of level I want to try and get to um, sometime soon. But I'm enjoying it so far. And it's just about now, obviously, I've got the football coming back as well. It's definitely going to be easier to write some more stuff as well, which is a massive positive. I think one of the things that me and Corey have found, certainly, if you've, I must admit, I don't know the Millwall team that well. I mean, Lee Gregory yeah. is about the only player that I remember to be, that I know, to be perfectly honest with. I'm not even sure if he still plays for you. I don't, no, I just he's know left he, to Stoke now. Has he? I'm, I just know <laughs> yeah. he always scores against Derby, so that's how I remember. <laughs> um, but I, I know one of the things that I've certainly found um, trying to arrange stuff, but Corey does do a lot of the uh, the arranging of this kind of stuff. If you've got a player at your club with a bit of a niche, as in, we targeted Dwayne Holmes, who's an American player. He's actually American nationality at Derby. Obviously, yeah. with Corey being in the US, he's got, you know, we've got links there. The US care about soccer, football, and we'll call it football, I'm not calling it soccer. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they care about it and they're interested about players over here and what they're doing. So you, you, you can, you build yourself a bit of a base and that then puts it out there. So, you know, I mean, Millwall probably haven't got too many foreign players in their side, in all fairness. I, I mean, Derby haven't, in all fairness, uh, anymore. So, you know, if you can, like, tap into a bit of a niche like that and start spreading yeah. it that way, and then, you know, the, the snowball starts with that as well. So, I know that's yeah, a little definitely. bit that we can certainly help you with. You know, that, that that's worked for us mm. over the last few weeks, um, and that's how we've snowballed that little bit. So, yeah. that's, always, that's always good in the locker. Yeah, um, yeah and Dan, I'm a, I, I do a very similar job um, podcasting and interviewing and stuff here um, for my actual normal job. So, you know, we can connect offline and we can, we can you know, yeah, yeah. you can, we can bounce ideas off. I'm more than happy to help you bounce ideas off and oh, things like brilliant. that. I mean, I've, I've been on the journalistic side of things. I've been on the internal side of things. So in order to try to find a story and things like that, I like to feel like I've got a a decent enough nose at least of what people want to listen to. So we can, we can talk about that later. You know, we're more than happy to help you in any way we can. That'd be brilliant. Thank you very much. Yeah. I, and I will vouch for that to be perfectly honest with you over the last few weeks, Corey's helped me out certainly setting up just that kind of the profile kind of side of things, just, yeah. just getting it out there. And we, we're certainly reaping the rewards from that. So, you know, yeah, more than happy to help you out with that, mate. There's no doubt about that. Brilliant. Thank you very much. So, so Dan, yeah, you mentioned football's coming back uh, and, you know, obviously with your aspirations for football journalism. So I'm going to put you on the spot here before the lockdown, Millwall, two wins out of five. Um, what are your expectations coming out of lockdown from what you've read um, in terms of injuries and players and teams and obviously form goes out the window, but, but what do you, what do yeah. you hold as aspirations for Millwall? Um, well, one of our best players towards the second half of last season, Ben Thompson, he'd been out injured for quite a lot of this season since uh, Gary Rowett took over. He's just returning to fitness now. He's, I think he's going to be a doubt for this weekend. I think this one might come a little bit too soon for him. I think he had a little bit of a knockback in his recovery. But um, Ryan Leonard, another player who's been out long term since Gary Rowett's taken over, he's back. He scored twice in a behind-closed-doors friendly. We had 
couple of days ago. So, yeah, as you said, the form goes out the window. But if you look at our running, we've got um, you guys, Swansea, Blackburn and QPR all still spare around that playoff picture. And then the re- every, we haven't got a team left you've to got, play above You've us. got three out of the best four. You're three out of the bottom four, haven't you, to play? I yeah, yeah. We've still yeah. got Barnsley, Cholton and Hull to play as well. So, if you yeah. look at it on paper, we have a very favourable running. Um, and another thing that's been mentioned as well about our running is that seven out of our nine remaining games are within London, so we have a very little travelling to do, and when the games are in such a short space of time, that can only be quite a big benefit to you. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. I didn't realise. I, I knew you'd got three, I think it's three out of the bottom four left to play. I didn't realise yeah. that seven out of nine was in London. That's got to be massive. That that must yeah, yeah. be massive, to be honest yeah, yeah. with you. I know we've got, I'm trying to think what we've got. Obviously, we've got the trip down to yourselves on Saturday. Have we, st- we've got, what have we got, Corey? Preston at home, Reading at home, Forest. I'm just trying to think of the other trips. We've got Leeds, West Brom away. So we're not actually going that far. Corey, you've got your mic off. Yeah, sorry. Not that, not that <laughs> too, not too far, uh. Not too far of a trip uh, anywhere. No. Really. Preston's probably the farthest place, I would think. And obviously yeah. Reading. Um, but other than that, everything's pretty much local. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah. So uh, one of the questions, obviously, and uh, one of the, we've got a, another uh, Derby County podcast near us, obviously, Dan, that we that I know I listen to. I think Corey probably does as well. They've got a, a mate that's a, a big Millwall fan. So they've had him on on the, on the previous yeah. episode. Um, they were discussing, obviously, you were, not a million miles away from a playoff place in, in, in all fairness, just before the lockdown. And obviously I, I know I would certainly say I, I've never been. Um, I know people who have, it's one of the grounds that I'd love to go to and I never have. Um, obviously the den is notorious for, for, for your support. How damaging do you think it's going to be? Because I know certainly as a, from a Derby perspective, we've not had a great run of results there. Certainly for the last five or six years that I can remember. Yeah. Um, it's always come across as a very intimidating place for for Derby uh, and a lot of teams. I, I know, I know you've beaten uh, a lot of really top sides at, at the Den over the last couple of years. It's probably been, and I suppose in some respects, it is the it is the norm for. Uh, I don't want to say it, but a, a mid mid to bottom range Championship side where going yeah. away to the top sides, you know, you, you're going to struggle. But you will you will turn over some of the top sides at the den. Yeah. How, how much do you think that's actually going to influence the next nine games? I think it's going to, I think it's going to be bad. Uh, well, not bad because I think one thing that Gary Rowett's done since he's came in is he's made us um, a lot better on the road. We hadn't won away from home all season. I think we were only won two or three games away last season. Under Neil Harris, when we was in the Championship, away form was our Achilles heel massively. Um, so yeah, last season we won two or three away games all season. But this season he's came in. Um, he's got quite a few away wins under the belt already, which is really good for us. Um, so when I first thought about it, I was like losing the fans, losing that hostility. I don't think I think we're going to struggle a little bit. But now as I think about it more, I think we've adapted better away. So I think that will um, put us in a better position than it would have been. If we was in this position 12 months earlier, I wouldn't be so confident. But now we've got the away form a lot better. I'm, I am feeling a lot better. And obviously, there's going to be a lot of teams in that sort of position, yeah. uh, the same one as us. So, we're all at the same level. It's just a case of, obviously, who's going to adapt quicker. 
Yeah, I've, I've, like you like you said there, you, you can have, uh, you know, a compact den. I know it holds 20-odd thousand or whatever it may well be, but obviously a hostile thing. Um, and that's expected when you take a trip to Millwall. You, you know, you come to Pride Park and, and you know you've got 32,000 fans in front of you. When that's now not happening, like you say, that, that pretty much levels itself out. And, and it's, it's going to be interesting. There's no doubt about that. As I say, we just before we came on air, we were talking about the two games last night. I don't think either result massively went against what you would you would have expected, even if there was you know fans in the stadium. So I, I do appreciate where they're coming from, and obviously you've got the reports from the Bundesliga where you know actually it's the away teams that have got more of a percentage of winning, but basically you're basing it on three rounds of games, which you know isn't a yeah. great deal. Um, so it is going to be interesting. It, it's one of the things that from a from a derby perspective and Corey you'll know this um and I, in all fairness Dan you'll probably know yourself from your own team at Millwall you know you've got players that will stand up when when need to be counted and that kind of thing and then then you've probably got a couple where you think they would you know they'd hit the ground running or that you think they'd have a bit more of an impact in a game when they don't in terms of, you know, you've got the players that turn up for the show as such, but then you've got the ones that probably crack under the pressure a little bit. With, obviously, the removal of the crowds, I know we're, uh, me certainly, I'm ex- I'm hoping that there's two or three Derby players that certainly this season have st- just struggled to get going um, for whatever reason. This could actually be a little bit of a an approve for them in some respects and a little bit of a restart for them, a little bit of a chance to prove the worth um, and and go, you know, actually, you know, we can play football at this level. You know, we are a decent attribute to the, to the team. Um, is there, is there much of that at Millwall? Um, from my personal perspective, I look at um, Conor Mahoney as someone who could definitely thrive in these sort of circumstances. He, he came in in the summer from Bournemouth. He was on line at Birmingham last season. He did well there. He had a very good pre-season for us. At, um, yeah, very good pre-season. Scored a couple of goals, created a couple of goals and started off the season all right. Got a couple of assists. And then he slowly faded away. And he's been like kind of one of those players that you're looking at and saying, come on, we know there's more from you, but it just hasn't came. And there was Luton at home on New Year's Day, which wasn't one of our biggest crowds or but obviously we was drawing against a team that we really was expected to beat and he came on and he um, scored a great goal arguably one of our goals of the season and he provided another cross for another good goal for Matt Smith so um, he's definitely a player I look at because we have Jed Wallace on the right um, brilliant player probably our player of the season uh, 10 goals and 9 assists from right mid speaks a lot but so we've always just yeah. been missing that um, player who could do something sort of similar on the left Mason Bennett obviously you guys know him very well he signed on loan right at the end of January he did um, and from what I've seen I quite like him he's quite a versatile player but I'm hoping that combined with I'm hoping he's a rival combined with um, a lack of crowds which obviously you do get in pre-season can maybe give Mahoney a bit of a kick and maybe he can see the player we all sort of expected when he signed because I remember Mahoney was at Blackburn before he got the move to Bournemouth, and he was he was really good. So that's good to to kind of pick up where he left off. Because obviously he went to Bournemouth, didn't really do it do much, like you said. They they loaned him back out to Birmingham last year. So um, and it's funny because I've just been here thinking about the connections that Millwall and Derby have, and obviously there's there's three connections: Alex Pierce, uh, Mason Bennett, and, and Gary Rowett. So um, yeah, 
Mason Bennett. Obviously, I think he will a uh, bit of a Marmite player at Derby. Uh, always will divide opinion. Doesn't necessarily do himself favors. I'm sure you yeah. read some <laughs> of the, the news reports that were earlier this season and, um, you know, over the lockdown and everything like that. So you just touched on it there. So um, as he, as he, as he, is he, is he popular at the den? Is he popular amongst the people on the terrace? Um, he didn't play all that much, to be honest, um, before lockdown. He was a little bit lacking fitness. So he signed right at the tail end of January. It took him the best part of February to get up to match speed. He was in the squad for sort of the end games in February. We The first proper chance we got to see him was um, Bristol City at home. He came on sort of like 20 minutes to go. He gave us, I thought he gave us a little bit more going forwards. And then he started... Um, away at Nottingham Forest and I thought I thought that night um, he was a brilliant player for us and I was like if he can you know Gary Rowett's obviously brought him in he has sort of like a, an interesting history of some of the stuff that's gone on this season mainly looking back at November with the um, Tom Lawrence and Richie Keogh incident so there was a lot of question marks among the fan base when he signed but um, he's done well in the games we have seen him and I think the lockdown, if that has benefited, another middle player might have benefited, it could be Mason Bennett. He's now had that time to get the necessary fitness up uh, to potentially cement his space up in the starting eleven, and um, potentially get himself a permanent move as well because I think his contract's up at the end of this season. But um, from what I've read, I think we have an option to buy him as well. Yeah. So, sorry, Jason, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think... Um... Just to, I mean, obviously, as you've seen bit, bit parts of him. I think from from Derby fans who've seen him since, I think it was about fifteen when he broke into the team. So you know, we're, we're talking eight years now. I mean, he's always been one of those players. He, even at a young age, he was one of the first names, um, obviously, to come through from the academy from when we re, regen the academy. Really, um, he was always full of expectation. I mean, the lad's got pace. I will tell you that. And yeah. For, for such a young lad, he is built like a bond or he, he, he's got muscle and he's got power, but he's got pace about him. One of the a things little bit that, like Adama Traore. Yeah, that's it. Say. Yeah. I think one of the things that we could say as Derby fans that he never quite took that next step. He never quite, as an impact sub, and if you, if you were to look back at his highlights at Derby, a lot of the good that he did was when he came on with 20 minutes to go. And he would do that for two or three games, which would warrant him a start. And he'd go missing and he'd, he'd go absolutely yeah. missing. And then he'd play the next game and he'd be off at half time. And then you wouldn't see him for two games. And then he'd be back on the bench. And in his career went a little bit like that early on. And then he, he took some lone moves. I know he, he's certainly been to Burton. He's certainly been to Notts County. I think he's been somewhere else. And unfortunately, little niggly in injuries that he got younger in his career were on these loan on these loan deals never really allowed him to shine in the way that he is. Because I, I will I will stand here and say now, I'm not 100% sure he's top-end championship quality, but I yeah, do yeah. think there is a place for him in the championship, and that's no disrespect to Millwall. But I think it's it's a pretty decent fit. I think that kind of play, he can he can certainly play football. There's no doubt about that. And given the chance, um, he can play. I mean, naturally, he's, a, he's an out-and-out -out striker. When he came through with us in our youth uh, academy, he was an out-and-out -out striker. Um, and for the first four or five years when he was involved in the first team, he never really got played there. He was always out on the wing because of his pace. And then I think it was last year under Lampard, wasn't it, Corey? He started him, well, most notably in the playoff final, he started him up front on his own. Yep. 
and he he just looks lost. He he, he doesn't look like a a Premier League, you know, sorry, a Championship or Premier League, whatever. He just just doesn't look like a striker at, at that level of competition, which you know, at the age of what twenty two, twenty three, you'd like to think now you've probably got your position kind of nailed down, really, other than you know a change in formation or that kind of thing. Um, and I think he's he's probably been a bit of a um, bit of a problem for him that he's never really been able to tie down where he wants to play and he's been used as a bit part player which actually could affect his career ever so slightly so I think going to somebody like Millwall if they're prepared to you know give him a run of games and again I, I have to apologise I'm not sure of the player's name but I know as I say listening to the podcast he, the, the lad who obviously normally plays in that position lost his place to Mason when he first came in he was saying that you know it was a bit unfortunate really um, that he lost his place to Mason but like I say, Rowett knows him. Um, strangely enough, Corey, I don't know. I don't think Rowett actually used him that much yeah, in Derby, did I he? Don't, I don't think so. No, it's, no, it's, it's I honestly odd. don't think he did. Yeah, but yeah. he is the tar- you know when you, I suppose when you take Millwall, and this is the um, you know what people think obviously of Millwall, the, the type of the style of football that they play. Um, he's got power. He's got pay. He will bully somebody. It, there's no doubt yeah. about that. So I think he he is. A, a pretty decent fit, to be honest with you. Yeah, and I, th- yeah. I think what you'll find, Dan, is that Bennett's a bit of a, a strange term when you talk about it to Derby fans because obviously he's been around since 15. So when you think people who break in at 15, that they're real quality. But at the time he broke through, Derby were really struggling to get 11 players on the field fit, you know, first, first teamers under Cluffy. And then he's never played a full 90 minutes for the club. Um, and like Jason said, you know, he's only 23 years old, but then when we kind of talk about Mason Bennett, it's kind of like, oh, Jesus, he's been around a long time. He needs to be shipped out. But then again, you know, if, he, if we brought in a 23-year-old, would we be saying the same thing? I don't know. Um, obviously, his, his off-field stuff hasn't helped. His injuries haven't helped. Um, you know, and like I've said, his, his ability to not play 90 minutes in a game as a professional in six years is a bit of a misnomer. So it would be good because, you know, when I think of Millwall, I think of power, I think of pace, I think of an intimidating atmosphere that I don't necessarily, you know, want to be playing in. Um, and I think he would he would fit that. And when I look back at how Gary Rowett was at Derby, you know, he kind of instilled that kind of strength and steel into the Derby team a little bit. He obviously did it a bit with buying old players, which is why we're stuck with so many. Um, but, you know, I think he would fit in well into what you want to call Rowett ball or whatever, you know, where where he's, where he's with the, the system that he's playing in. And I think, yeah, he didn't play him a lot. So it was a bit of a strange move, but hopefully it works out for all parties. Yeah, yeah, from what I've seen, he's played um, on the left midfield for us. That was away at Nottingham Forest. And like, we played a, a 5-2-3 that day. So he played on the left wing. And when he came on against um, Bristol City at the Den, he played yeah, sort of as a 10, but sort of as a um, out-and-out striker alongside Matt Smith. And I think sort of that when you think of Matt Smith in the championship, you think big target man wins a lot of headers, will score you goals. And then when you put someone like Mason Bennett next to him who can effectively do all the all the groundwork, I think that potentially if Mason Bennett can find a scoring touch, then he could be a brilliant signing for Millwall. And, it's, um, so it's, it's the big man, little man combo, isn't it? It's the, it's the Crouch and Defoe. It's, it yeah, works. exactly. It, it works. And I, I t- Mason, with the ball, he's, he knows where the net is. There's no doubt about that. He's got that touch. He has got that. In, he has got the instinct. He didn't score all that many goals at Derby, but I don't necessarily think he was ever played in a in a preferred position. 
Um, we utilised his pace out on the wings because of the the style that Derby play. To be perfectly honest with you, we, obviously we we go one up top, big target man up top, and that's the way that we play. Um, so he was never really ever going to do that with Mason because he's not that type of player. But I think in a two, which we never really used him in, um, I think I think you're quite right, Dad. I think he could uh, he, he he can. Hopefully, hopefully he can resurrect his career a little bit because I think he went a little bit stagnant at Derby. Obviously, with everything that's gone on, he was never yeah. he was never going to stay at the end of this season. So you know, for, for what he's done at Derby, I'll always say good luck to the lad. A uh, bit of an idiot, maybe, but you know, immature at times. But at the end of the day, he, he is a half decent footballer, and he can certainly make a career at this level. There's no doubt about that. Um, he just needs to apply himself a little bit more. And again, you know, being under Rowett um, and, you know, coming up at Millwall at home, you know, being at Millwall, uh, you know, it, it's going to learn him as well, uh, if anything. Um, you know, it's not all about coming on, playing in front of 35,000 a week or, or whatever. You know, you, to, to be at success at this level, you've, you've kind of got to graft and you've got to grind. And I think somebody like Millwall is probably the perfect place for him, in all fairness. Yeah, definitely. Um, he, he, as you said, he sort of fits that. From what we've seen, he's a grafter. He will run for the yeah. team. He will work work hard for the team. And I think that's sort of the what Millwall fans. That's a. I think that's when you speak. That's a minute. That should be a minimum requirement for every single yeah. uh, team. But I think especially when you have the the fans that Millwall have, I think it is. It is like if you aren't going to do that, then you then you um you won't be uh, pulling the shirt on for the football club. But from what we've seen of him, good player. Rowett has played three formations mainly since he uh, came in. He's played a 5-2-3, as I touched on, a 4-2-3-1 and a 4-4-2. So I think um, if we're using the the 5-2-3 on the left-hand side, it could be a threat. But I think he could also be equally as dangerous in the 4-4-2. Yeah, I'd agree with that. So, Dan, you mentioned the other Derby connection, Gary Rowett. Um and I'm not sure if you know some of the history uh, of Gary with Derby, but obviously he was a player. Um, he left Birmingham to take his quote-unquote dream job with the Rams um, in the seven, 2017 season. Um, didn't necessarily see eye-to-eye, eye, I think, with some of the players from what I've read with various interviews. Um, and then we were going to go into the season. You know, we, we made a late surge for the playoffs, got in. He played a guy who hadn't played in like three years for us out of nowhere, played him, uh, Ketchy Anya, uh, missed out obviously with losing to Hull. And then he uh, went to go get a Premier League job, he said, with Stoke City, but Stoke had just been relegated. Uh, so there was a bit of blood there between the fans. And then um, a bunch of people brought uh, plastic snakes. Do you remember that, Jason? To, yeah, to Stoke to the one. ground. And then by the time he, was, he came back to Pride Park, he was sacked. Um, and then he pops up at Millwall. So what are your impressions of uh, Gary Rowett so far? Because obviously I think he's made Millwall a bit more competitive. Um, I think from what I understand last year with Neil Harris, obviously Harris was a bit of a steady pair of hands or whatever, but Rowett seems to have took a slightly, a slight step forward with Millwall to, to bring him into contention. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I will touch on Neil Harris quickly. And I'll just say that um, what Neil Harris did for the football club in the time he was in charge, you know, um, couple of FA Cup runs, got the team promoted, finished eighth in the championship. On what We have a, a bottom three championship budget, I, I think. So yeah. what he achieved was brilliant. All-time club record goal scorer seemed the natural fit. But I think 
he left at the right time. We didn't have a good season last season. There was a lot of um, problems in the squad, which saw one of our better players loaned out for the first half of the season. So I think he left at the right time. But then um, there was obviously the case of who who takes the reins now. And um, our caretaker manager, Adam Barrett, um, he beat Leeds. And then we was winning 2-0 away at Brentford. And um, we was all like, well, hang on. Let's give this lad a bit more of a chance. You know, he's doing all right. But then in the last 10 minutes against Brentford, we um, capitulated spectacularly and lost, managed to lose 3-2. So um, that kind of ruled him out of the running. Um, when I first saw the odds released, I think Gary Rout was first priced at about 12-1 to 1 because I think the initial thought was, oh, it would be too much for a club like Millwall. He's a top-end championship manager. Um, but we got him. I was pretty happy when he when he was appointed. And but what he's bought, he's he's adapted his style of football a little bit. He's um, definitely got us playing a bit more attacking under Neil Harris. We were quite a, a direct sort of Route One team, but now with Gary the Rowett, the players definitely seem to be a lot more confident on the ball, a lot more trusting in each other's abilities. And some of the football we played this season, not saying we didn't play. Um, crap football the time I knew how some of the football we played was brilliant but um, some of the football we've played this season has been equally as brilliant and we've played it more consistently and the good thing is while we're playing better football um, we're getting good results which is pushing us up the league and making us what um, before the lockdown we were the dark horse and now everyone's had a lot of time to reflect on it uh, I've seen a lot of people actually sort of making us one of the favourites for the playoffs so we're interested to see how it goes but I couldn't be happier um, with Gary Rowett the only concern I have come back from the lockdown is that he's number two, Callum Davidson. He's actually left the club today. He's gone to take over at St Johnston in Scotland. So, Adam Barrett's coming back in as the number two until the end of the season. So, it'll be interesting to see how that affects the squad because I've always liked Davidson. Rowett's always said he'll make a good manager and St Johnston was his first club. So, it's a good fit. So, it'll be interesting to see how the squad adapts. So, one of the la- I think the last questions from me then, obviously we'd, we'll focus it onto the, uh, onto the game on Saturday. Um, as I say, normally a trip to the Den, I would be very pessimistic. Um, not to say that I'm still not, but it, we know what it's about. Derby, as I say, certainly for the last four or five years, never, never a great result down there. And I think in all fairness, Dan, as you may well know, you've always, you've pretty much got the better of us at, uh, at Pride Park over the last couple of years, certainly when uh, Rowett came earlier on in the season and, you know, things like yeah. that uh, last season. It's, yeah, we've we've struggled against Millwall. It's a team that, you know, we've struggled. We've struggled to break down and, and things like that. And certainly, as I say, with with what you had under Gregory, with Lee Gregory and things like that, you know, you, you, had, a, you had a genuine goal scorer in your team. Um, where... I know this is a very difficult question and I'm going to, I'm going to try and answer it after as well from a Derby perspective, but I think it's going to be very difficult to, where do you, where do you see it going? First game back, uh, as you say, you've had a couple of preseason, well, not preseason, but a couple of friendlies. We've had a couple as well. Um, I know I read, I think there's like you say, two or three players that are probably going to miss the game um, who obviously would have been in with a shout of being involved. Where do you think it's going to go? Do you think you'll? Do you think you can pick up the three points? Uh, I think we can. I think we can. It depends. The game that I look at this season was um, the key one for me was Luton at home on New Year's Day. First half we was very very poor. Luton deservedly won them up at half time. But when you've got one of the best home records in the league and you lose and you're losing at half time, obviously something's not right. But obviously, 
Um, we went out there and won three one in the end. So we did something right in the second half. So it's just a case of which team turns up, and I think you may see the first half team turn up again at the start. Obviously, get trying to get used to everything. Obviously, the friendlies are still not quite the same as a competitive game, but then it's obviously. Um, I think we will shine through. I think the the quality uh, that Gary Rowett's managed to get out of the group of players. I think everybody knows their roles in a Millwall team. You know, you can more or less guess what the starting lineup's going to be. Maybe bar one or two players. You know what every player's job is. So yeah, I'm I'm going to go with a two nil Millwall this weekend. I think Matt Smith and Jed Wallace are going to score. Okay. I mean, certainly Matt Smith will cause our back line some trouble as they're both under six foot, I think. Um, so there's there's no doubt and an aerial threat from from a Derby County perspective, an aerial threat has been a has been a problem at Derby for probably the last two years, to be perfectly yeah, honest. With we've, you. we've actually scored about fifty percent of our goals this season from set pieces in the league. So that could definitely be it's something, something that's look to exploit you from. Yeah, it's, it's something that's fantastic, isn't it, Corey? And it's something that Derby over the last two or three years we do, we just don't score from from set pieces, and we don't. We can't defend set pieces. We can't. We yeah. don't. Uh, we we struggle with crosses into the box and high balls. We've struggled with that for years. And yeah, heading heading goals for Derby just on the attacking sense. I think we've got Very one few. all season. Very. Few. I think that was like Waghorn because it got knocked around and he just happened to head it instead of volleying it. So yeah. I think that's definitely an advantage to Millwall. I mean, it's... Yeah, the, the things you say that you struggle with, that's the type of things we like thrive off, you know. We we do try and play better football, but if, like, we, we've got Matt Smith up front, we've got the Tiger Man, we've got Bod Vars and he's six foot two, so he's not exactly small. We've got Bennett, or oh, he's actually ineligible, but obviously going forward, we'll have Mason Bennett, he puts himself out a little bit. We've got Tom Bradshaw, who may, he may be about six foot, I think he's just done the but he's got a terrific leaf on him. So yeah, I think uh, if that is definitely one of Derby's Achilles heels, then that could be one that um, Rowett definitely looks to exploit. And I think when you look at Bennett, you know he's a smaller lad, but he does with his build and everything. He plays as a much bigger, per, a much bigger player does, as well. Yeah. And I think he, he really is a handful. And, and to be honest, I think that's going to be good for going forward for you. Um, but I want to talk about two players briefly, Dan. Uh, last part from me is. Jed Wallace and Romeo. Um, the couple times I've seen yeah. Millwall this year, they've really been the standout players. So yeah, yeah. do you think those two will continue to play well? Give me a little bit of background on them. And then who do you think is the number one key player to watch this weekend for Derby fans uh, from the Millwall perspective? Um, so Romeo was a right back, was on Arsenal's books as a youngster. Um, we signed him when we got relegated to League One. He was one of Neil Harris's first signings, actually, on a free from Gillingham. Uh, he didn't really get a look in sort of in the first half of the season and then a couple of injuries came about fell his way and he took his chance and to be fair to him he had a bit of a spell out um, when we first got promoted to the championship we made a signing at right back I think it was Conor McLaughlin from Fleetwood um, but since then Romeo's been Romeo's been brilliant um, he's very athletic he will get up and down sometimes he's a little bit suspect defensively which does concern me um, but Overall, he's a br- he's a brilliant player. Epitomises what the modern day fullback should be. Jed Wallace signed from he had two loan spells at Millwall before. We signed him for uh, around five hundred thousand uh, pounds from Wolves, and he was being linked with moves away for ten million pounds in January to uh, Aston Villa, I think it was. So, ten goals and nine assists kind of speaks for itself. But um, them two on the right hand side, very good link up play between them. So it that um. 
I, I think them two will continue where they've left off um, before. Um, so, yeah, one, one of Wallace's key skills is almost like tucking in. So, at times he plays as a number 10, which creates that um, room for Romeo to make the overlapping run and get the crosses into the box, which I quite like. So, they'll definitely be two of the key men. I think, arguably, Wallace will be the uh, key man to watch for Millwall. But I think um, another player would be key to watch other than Wallace, other than uh, Matt Smith mentioned, is um, midfielder Jason Malumbi. He's on loan from Brighton. Probably one of the best players I've seen in a Millwall shirt for a while, to be honest. He, he's ev- almost everything you'd want from a centre midfielder. He can dictate the play from deep. He's not afraid to get stuck in. He will cover every single grade of glass, uh, blade of grass on the pitch. The one thing you almost look at him, the one criticism we have is that he maybe doesn't contribute with enough goals, but he does sort of play as a sort of CDM sort of role. So I can't complain too much. So I'd say they're definitely the... Uh, three or four players for Derby fans to keep their eye out for this weekend. And I I lied, Dan. I've got one more question before I turn it over to Jason. Yes, fine. Your perspective as a Millwall fan, uh, Derby's coming to the Den this weekend. What do you, what are your thoughts on Derby? What, what players scare you? What are your thoughts on when you hear Derby County are coming to town? What, what comes into your consciousness? Uh, Well, I think the, I'll say the first two words I think of, I think it's, what a lot of championship fans think who is Wayne Rooney um, I'll, I'll try not to go too much uh, detail on him but I think he would have got the traditional Millwall welcome should it have been um, with fans at the Den uh, a player that concerns me is Martin Waggon. Uh was on loan at Millwall for a little bit scored a few goals I didn't think was a bad player for us but he was playing um, in one of our more poor sort of modern day periods under Steve Lomas, under Ian Holloway and that sort of team. So I think he got underappreciated a little bit, but you always get that sort of like fear factor with um, players coming back to their old clubs. So he's definitely one that I'll be keeping my eye out for. A player that I do like at Derby is Matt Clark, the centre-back on loan from Brighton. I think he's a really good player. Um, so yeah I think if anyone's going to be able to mark Matt Smith for Derby it'll be him so um, I'm looking forward to seeing what type of challenge Derby bring to Millwall this weekend I think that's a fair point Um, I think from we'll we'll do we'll do roles reversed I think Jed Wallace I think Jed Wallace has been a player that's been a thorn in Derby's side for whoever or wherever he's been Um, he's, he's always at the forefront as I say, Derby do struggle against teams that can get across in, play for set pieces. That, Derby have always struggled against that side, that, that type of team. And I know Jed Wallace, wherever he's been, has always, always been a bit of trouble. Matt Smith, I don't think we've come up against him massively. I know, obviously, when he was, he was at QPR, I think, I think we've had a couple of stints yeah. up against him. He's never really been, for the size of the man, he's never really been a, a danger to say it's a weakness of Derby. Um, but that I'm not taking anything away from him at all. Um, he scored a hat trick in the uh, last game before lockdown. So right, well, he's, he scored, he scored, scored a hat trick against Forest on the score sheet against Bristol City. I think he might be our top goal scorer now this season. So it was another summer signing, not bad for four hundred thousand pounds. So no, yeah, absolutely not. Going to be a key man. I think moving. So yeah, and as as Corey mentioned, uh, the right side for yourselves, obviously, pr- pretty strong. To be perfectly honest with you, and. And if that's the you know if that's the way that that you play under Rowett, I think it's going to cause. I, I will honestly admit, I think it's going to cause some trouble for Derby because um, whilst we kind of play with wing backs, um, our, our more forward-minded players 
aren't always the quickest, you know, on turnover of play. They aren't always the quickest to get back. Um, we do tend to play more of a counter-attacking game away from home rather than we would at home. Um, so that actually might not be as much of a problem. Um, you know, certainly Matt Clark, you mentioned, obviously been on loan uh, this season. There's, there are reports that we're going to try and get him back again next season on loan. He's been one of them players where I think the first couple of games we saw him, uh, he was like, yeah, de decent defender. No pace about him. There's no doubt about that. He's got the turning circle of an Arctic. But he, he, he was winning everything. And then I can't remember, Corey, you'll be able, probably be able to tell me, there was one particular game he played and he had an absolute shocker. The first yeah. two or three games, what you watched of him and you thought, yeah, you can see why Brighton paid the money for him. And then he had an he was abysmal, and I can't remember who it was against now. And we dropped him. Yeah, it was like uh, the fourth it, or fifth week of the season. So yeah, he, had, he was really good against Huddersfield, and then we had a couple games where he was average, and then he just was it like was awful. Yeah, and I mean really awful bad. enough enough in all fairness to warrant him being dropped. Um, and then did he come back before, or he had a little injury first? It was one of the two. Yeah, he, he was. At, yeah, he got a bit of an injury, and that ended up taking him out the firing line, which helped. that was it. Which and then, to be fair, ever since he's come back, he's been ever-present, yeah. not really put a foot wrong. He's one of those centre-backs that I wouldn't necessarily... You wouldn't notice he was there, but yeah. you'd notice yeah. him if he was missing. You know he's what I mean? seven he's, out he's of ten of those, every week. He is. He's a seven yeah. out of ten Consistent average Joe every week. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think he's only scored one goal for us uh, this season, yeah. Yeah. I think. Um, not too long ago, actually. But again, from an aerial threat, the kind of players you, you, you'd hope to have. Um, I think from, as I say, I think one of Derby's weaknesses, as, as we've mentioned, is certainly crosses into the box. Our goalkeeper, both goalkeepers we have don't seem to like to come out for crosses. Um, so it, it like, does rely like on... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Does, uh, does, does rely on your defenders getting their heads to them, which we don't always do. I think Derby's threats from going forward, I think somebody, obviously, when you play an ex-manager... He's always going to, unless there's obviously players that have come in since he was there, which I don't think there's too many at Derby, to be perfectly honest with you. Certainly not that would I would expect to be in the starting eleven. Um, obviously, the one that you could probably put was Jack Marriott, but he's he's out now for potentially the rest of the season due to an, in, uh, due to an operation. Um, so, you know, you, you're pretty much playing with players that Rowett sort of knows or, or has certainly come up against. Um, so I don't think we can particularly spring any surprises on you in that respect um the one i would say literally two three games before the lockdowns louis sibley in midfield young lad coming through from the academy made his debut against united uh, man united in the fa cup played an absolute worldie of a game to be perfectly honest with you uh, got his just rewards in starting the last league game before um before the lockdown and scored an absolute worldie from 25 yards after about was 10 that him? I was about to say I wasn't sure if it was him or Jason Knight or Max yeah, Berger, I know one of them Lewis one Sibley, of your three yeah. academy lads scored an absolute cracker in the last yeah. game and then in all fairness the the two he, he scored in the preseason friendly that we had against Stoke last week um and all reports are positive I mean not that you probably get negative reports coming out of the club but everything's yeah. everything's been pretty positive about him I think he can be a bit of a danger man um, obviously Rooney yeah I think I think any championship club would it's going to struggle coming up against Rooney um, yeah definitely just is I mean it'd be in some respects it's a shame I, I, like you say I think 
he would have definitely gotten the Millwall welcome. There's no doubt about that. Definitely, but I think, yeah. but I think as football fans, you know, just to see that type of quality in this league is nice. So it's it's a bit of a shame that some of the you know the away fans haven't sorry the home fans haven't had a chance to see that. Um, and as we, me and Corey have mentioned before, he, he's probably not been as effective as you would expect him to be. But. He's obviously he's a player that you just can't leave out because you just don't know yeah. what he's gonna what he's gonna do. And one of the things we we play a, as a as a two at, in CDM really, so a four two three one. The the young lad he plays next to Max Bird, he's brought him on leaps and bounds in the last three months. To yeah, definitely. A player, having oh. a player like Rooney will be able to. Yeah. It might it might he might not see the uh, immediate effects on the pitch, but what you will see. Um, is the effects he will have off the pitch with some of the other players? Oh, yeah, I think one hundred percent. I think when you look at it, Dan, it's it's a different Wayne Rooney. You know, you have to when we think of Wayne Rooney, we think of a goal scorer. We think of England's top, you know, goal scorer, Man United's yeah. top goal scorer. This is a completely. This is like Rooney version two point He's he's sitting deep. He's dictating play. He picks the ball up off the back four when we're not passing it between our two center halves for sixty minutes. Uh, he brings it forward. You know, and, and so it's a different player on the field. And like you said, um, off the field, you know, is, it's immeasurable what he's brought to the club because the young players are improving. I don't think it's a, a coincidence that our form's picked up since he's been there because every player wants to play with Wayne Rooney. I mean, yeah. how hard – if I said to you, Dan, you have the opportunity this weekend to play with Wayne Rooney, you're going to do whatever you can to beat me out for that oh, one yeah, spot in the team like- because – let's face it, he's got, what, two years, three years left before he retires, so there's not many more games that he's going to play. And so to be able to say you played with Wayne Rooney is something you're going to tell your grandchildren about because of who he is. Um, yeah. And he's just brought, you know, obviously there was some however we got him is however we got him, and that's that's a, yeah. that's yeah something for the lawyers in the front office. But he's a, he's a Derby player now, and I think, you know, in this different role, he's very effective. And I think since he's been at the club, because he showed up early, he's said all the right things, he's done all the right things, and he's really bought in. Um, to the coaching aspect, and he and he really serves as that transition for Kaku on the field as well. That that players go, Rooney's telling me to get my finger out here. I, I probably should do it because if Wayne's telling me to do it, so it's it's a completely different Wayne Rooney. I think when you see the game, yeah, it's different than what you'll have seen the last time he was in England in the Premier League and for England and stuff. I think one of the things Definitely. he has done, he, he's brought a he's brought a level of probably professionalism is is probably the best word that I could use to describe it. He's brought a level yeah. of professionalism that is not used to the championship game. He, he is obviously an elite of world football and he's, he's brought that. That will never leave him. I mean, his pace might go or, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah. yeah, his level of professionalism and, and just the reading of the game. So yeah. that, that, that can, I mean, we've seen games where that's been counterproductive where we where he's he's not really been able to get onto the ball and no disrespect but I think that's probably uh, saying Mill will will play like that they will they will target him if he starts I think when yeah. we've seen teams target him he's struggled a little bit in all fairness um, but when he's been allowed the dictation of the of the field nay no, he, he has done what Wayne Rooney has done you know throughout his career um, and then as you say going forward Wagon. Yeah, quick mention to Wagon. He, he's he's one of those players that he starts he, again. He plays great for two or three games, and you think, right, you've just got him on a roll now, and then he has an absolute stinker. And it's yeah, like, right, he doesn't drop out the team or anything like that. But he's he's again, he's an early man, really. But he's our top goal scorer this season. Um, I think it's ten or twelve. I think 
Yeah, something. He's the type him. of player that might have. He might have a poor game, but he could still he could still pop up with a goal later. He on, does, and like, he does win yeah. you a game. And, and I'll that, tell you, the thing, he, the thing he's sorry, sorry Jason. Go on. Go on. Yeah, go on. I was going to say, he, I know he's had 10, 12 this season. I would say he's missed three penalties, four penalties this season. He has missed at least another four or five guilt edge chances, and we are talking guilt edge chances. Yeah. He could easily be on 20, 20 plus this season already. And for somebody who we've only paid four million pounds for, is is a steal. So he's in the right mould. He just needs to tighten up on his finishing a little bit, and we, you know, yeah. you've got a you've got a worldie really. And 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 to that point, you know, even if he has a stinker of a game, he always works hard. He's just like a Mason Bennett, you know. He, he's always going to put a shift in. He's always going to do the yeah. hard work. He's not going to shy away yeah. when he misses penalties. He's not like he just disappears and you don't want to know. And you basically have to fetch him off. He still fights. He still works hard. And yeah. he yeah. seems to be a real positive influence around the camp as well. So that's that's another good aspect to that. It, it crops up with that. Like you say, Dad, he, he is one of those players that he, he might be having a bad game. Then all of a sudden he will just, he crops up. He, he's one of those players where we've seen it, Corey. I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with me where obviously he's a strong lad. And we've played him out on the right because of his work rate. You put, we, yeah. We've also played him up front as a number nine. And he's not been as, as effective as a number nine holding up the ball. Um, but some of the goals he scores, like with his head and things like that, yeah, it makes you wonder why he can't hold the ball up better than he probably does playing as a number nine. But at the end of the day, he's certainly an asset in the side. There's no doubt about oh, that. Yeah. And he's probably kept out two players that are legitimate wingers um, from from being out on that right, from you know, from getting into the side. To be perfectly honest with you, so. I think oh, we're going to have to go for a goal prediction. You give me one, two, nil. I, I think crowd or no crowd. I think crowd would have made a massive difference. I think Derby would have would have failed. I, I really do. I'm not going to lie. I think I know this. I know this Derby team pretty well. Um, Millwall's never a nice place to go. Like you say, you've probably got one of the best home records in the league. There's no, yeah. there's no denying that. So I would have gone that way. I think even still now, again, the first game, it's an unknown. We really, yeah, don't, we really don't know. Um, uh, I think we might. It might be a case of wait and see the lineup, see how each team's going to play. This, this could be the time. I think, mate, potentially the, the team that wins this could sneak the last playoffs, but it's going to be that close between those six, seven, eight teams. It that could well be for, yeah. those, for those I mean, places. It could well be. I know our our running for the last nine games is absolutely terrible. We we've got Forest, Leeds, West Brom. Uh, I think we play five out of the top nine in the last nine yeah. games. So it's not great for us. Um, when we've, I think we've got yourselves on Saturday and then the following week we've got Reading, uh, I think. Um, so, I mean, it's got to be, in all fairness, for us to make a playoff push at five points behind, we've got to win those first two games. And they yeah. are, no disrespect, probably the easier two out of the nine, in all fairness. Um, so, you know, from a Derby perspective, we've got to do that. I think... Me as a, not sitting on the fence, but I'm one of them that says going to the den without a crowd, with a crowd or not. You you go to an away game and you take a point away from it. it it's and any point away from home is a good point. Yeah. I, I would take that. I think Derby are in a position where they can't afford to take those kind of points. Uh, just a point, especially with who we, we've got trips to West Brom. We've got to go, you know, to to some 
tougher places um in all fairness so better you know higher higher teams should i say not better quality i think that's been a bit of a disservice but we we've got tougher games coming up in in some respect yeah um i think if we could walk out of there with a with a draw would be great um we from i know we're pretty much a fully fit squad bar two uh, one who's not really been with us all season anyway because of injury, and one who's been a bit part player all season in Jack Marriott, so not not yeah, too yeah. much of a miss. So I think I think you're going to get a, a pretty full strength Derby side turn up on Saturday, um, and unfortunately, it's one of those which fans will say it's which Derby team turns up. We we could turn up and capitulate. We haven't got a great record in London this season. I think we've lost yeah. every game so far away from home in London this season. Um, by at least two or three, so you you could quite happily beat us four nil, um, yeah. or or we could probably sneak it, you know, sneak it one nil, two one, something like that. So um, I'm I'm dithering a little bit for a score prediction because I'm really yeah. not sure where it's going to go. To be perfectly yeah. honest with you, I'd I'd like to be conservative and say a, a one all draw, um, but that's being very biased towards Derby because I've. I've got a bit of a feeling that Millwall are probably going to beat us, to be perfectly honest with you. Corey, what do you think? Well, Dan's gone with a Millwall win. You've gone with a draw. Uh, my head says it's going to be a real turgid affair, not low on quality, high on energy, and it's going to be a draw. But, you know, I'm forever the optimist. So, sorry, Dan, I don't mean to upset you. But I think it's going to be a hard-fought 1-0 Derby win. Yeah. Well, I hope so. I certainly hope so. <laughs> Well, Dan, it's been great to speak to you. Thank you very much for reaching out to us. Um, uh, hopefully, we helped you out with your stuff. You've certainly yeah. helped us out with ours, mate. Thank you very much. And, uh, That's all you're right. welcome. Brilliant. Thank you for asking your time. Yeah, not a problem at all, mate. You're certainly welcome back on here anytime. And anything you need from us, mate, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll help you gladly. Not a problem at all. Brilliant. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much, Dan. Uh, Mr. Dan Saxton, cracking chat there. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, we were obviously with the work that he's looking for. Uh, we'll we'll pop all his socials uh, onto ours, and we'll we'll make sure he, he gets his word out there. He's a, he's a cracking lad. He's he's very nice to us. Um, uh, he's spared his time, and he's he's made this podcast that little bit better for us. So what we're going to do now, then, straight on switching gears, we're going to uh, move on to more club-based news as such. A few bits and pieces to chat through, Corey. First of all, I think that the starting point before we touch on the Millwall game. I know we've obviously discussed it with uh, with Dan. We'll have a bit of a chat ourselves about it. First in club news this week, uh, contracts, uh, Chris Martin, Tom Muddleston, both have been offered vastly reduced terms from what we understand. Uh, and both have rejected, I think it's pretty much as we obviously mentioned on the last couple of pods that we expected, you know, dropping down from probably 25 to 30 grand when Derby's probably chipped in with 10,000 and that's it. For, for a year extension, I can understand. Um, from my from what my understanding, certainly from what Ryan Conway was posting on the Athletic about Chris Martin was, you know, the, the deal's keen, but you know, there's one or two logistics. I think it's more of a not so much the wage, but more of a length of contract uh, with Huddleston. I think it's very much the same, but I think there's been a bit more interest from with Huddleston from Sheffield Wednesday. I think that is uh, has been reported, and obviously Derby have been reported to be interested in Morgan Fox. Um, obviously, they both on would probably be classed as free transfers, so it's not as if it's a it's a swap for swap as such. But um, that's what's that's what's been banded about. Um, out of the two from the original 
uh, contract offer. I would expect Martin to be the one out of the two and probably the one that we need out of the two, if any. Um, what are your, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think um, obviously Conway broke the story on Athletic, like you said, and I think for Huddleston, it was he wanted a, an extra year deal and then to go into a coaching role. Mm. Um, and then obviously Martin, I think, like you said, the deal's a little bit closer because it's just, it's just semantics at this point. Um, I think he either wants an additional year or he wants slightly, slightly better incentives, but I think they're both keen on obviously the reduced wage. And I would agree with you. I think Martin's desperately much more needed than Huddleston. Um, obviously I think we all look back at Huddleston a bit with rose tinted glasses because of, um, you know, his affinity to Darby as a youngster. Um, but in terms of people who can perform on the field, not only this season, but next season as well, you, you got to get Martin in there. We've talked about this on previous podcasts. You can't, I'm all for growing youngsters, but you can't rely on them to, to get the goals in the championship and with merits um, in availability that seems seemingly all the time. Um, one thing you can say about Chris Martin is outside of his illness, he very rarely gets injured. So hopefully fingers crossed that he'll didn't jinx anything, but yeah, I would agree with you. I think Martin's desperately much more needed in there and we're very stacked in midfield. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I mean, I must admit when it originally broke the, you know, the offer of Huddleston, I can kind of understand why they've done it in some respects, but in all fairness, I don't think there's a need for it. And I think if there is another club interested, then I wouldn't necessarily be doing any form of bargaining or, you know, oh, don't go to Sheffield Wednesday, we'll offer you this. And, you know, I don't think there's any need for that with, with Tom Huddleston, to be perfectly honest with you. I think we're fully stacked in that area. Chris Martin, like we say, is, is a different kettle of fish with Marriott's injury. I mean, one of those where obviously it's been announced today that he's had some surgery uh, on a major, on a minor groin injury, but still any injury for me that's got to be repaired as such by surgery. He, he's obviously not been able to shake it off. How much of an impact has, he had, has that had on him over the course of the season? How much has that uh, paid detriment to his performances? Will he still be a Derby County player next season? We don't know, but obviously that'll be something we'll discuss certainly later on, uh, later on in future podcasts. But, at the moment, based on the contracts, that's kind of where we're at. Certainly one contract that's run out, and I would say majority of Derby fans probably won't be too dis, uh, too discouraged by the news. Akechi Anya leaves Derby County after four years. Um, I read something, I think it actually was the uh, Steve Bloomer Watching podcast announced that uh, they'd done some figures and basically Akechi Anya has cost Derby £10.5 million based on transfer fee and wages since his last appearance two years ago. Um, it's a strange one. We, I think, you know, it's one of those. But at the end of the day now, I'm not going to dwell on his career at Derby. It was rubbish. Um, he's one of those that, you know, we clear off the wage bill and, you know, hopefully put those funds to, to, to better use further on, further on down the, down the line. Yeah, I think... Uh... You know, I've been thinking about this, and I may have heard a rumor. I'm not sure who it came from, um, but maybe one of the reasons Akechianya didn't feature more was because he was signed under rush, and he had a weird thing in his contract. Obviously, Akechianya doesn't have an agent; he is his own agent. Um, but you know, you don't know whether Watford have a term in there where, like Thorne, you know, x over 15 appearances, he's it's paying an extra twenty or thirty thousand, and the club yeah, just I thought, look, it, it's it's just better to it's just better to just not have him in the building yeah. or whatever. I and I think it's, I think it's finally good to, to get rid of the last remnants of the rush era. And so to speak, yeah. the, the, because, you know, he was bad news for the club um, looking back at it now with kind of the weird deals that he made and, and his fallout with Mel and everything like that. So hopefully this kind of ushers in, I hate to use the word new era, but 
um, in terms of transfers to get to get different people in, and it's kind of the last of a, a last of a bygone Derby County wasting money era. So you know, thanks for everything you did for Derby Akechi, but best of luck in your future. But you know, pleased that he's not at the club anymore. Not that he was at the club anyway to begin with. So it just feels yeah. like the club's a little lighter, um, but not not any weaker in the playing staff, which is rare for football. No, absolutely. I fully agree with you. Uh, one of the other things we've seen, anybody who's out on social media uh, will have probably seen uh, Mike Deverick's goodbye farewells um, to Gron- FC Grongan and obviously will be due in Derby in probably the next two weeks or so. Getting in there, getting the getting used to the used to the system, although we can't play. But at the end of the day, training, I would presume they would expect him to come in straight away and and train for these last few games just to, just to get a feel before they all break at the same time. So it's not too much of a dissimilar thing um, when they when they restart. So it'd be great to see him eventually get over here. Um, looking forward to his arrival. Fingers crossed he can you know come over, come and see a few of the games, get a bit of a I suppose a bit in, in a way, Corey, a bit of a head start almost on next year in terms of never playing in this league. He can he can get to see it you know, full frontal in a way. Um, and then, as I say, yeah, just learning pattern of play and that kind of thing. So fingers crossed, because at the end of the day, he's, I know he's only come on a free transfer, but he is one of those players that is probably going to be the one that we look at next season, certainly as a, as a flagship signing, because it's an area that we needed to strengthen. Yeah, and I think, you know, much like Graham Shinney, we were excited about him as well. And he's turned out to be to be a pretty good bargain as well. Um, kind of like Rooney, you know, he's going to come in, he's going to train with the team. And like you say, he's going to get the pace up and everything. And I think that can only be good to meet the teammates. Um, you know, Jason, and, and I know as well, and I'm sure our listeners do as well. You know, when you start a new job, it's always a bit nerve wracking. And it's not because you can't do the job. It's because you don't know your coworkers and things like that. And then once you get to know them, um, everything gets easier. And I think once he you know, we saw this with Albin Tosa as well. He came over, he couldn't settle in Derby and everything like that, but having an extra few weeks to not worry about playing, focus on getting your fitness, pace of the game, knowing your teammates, finding a place to live, know yourself around and everything like that, I think will be a real positive. And obviously he's got Roos and Yazov Zun, uh, who are both Dutch as well as Kaku and, you know, the two assistants as well. So he should, should fit right in and, and everything I've read has been pretty positive and it's an area we needed to strengthen. We've needed to strengthen it for a long time. So it'll be good to finally get him one. It'll be cool to see the training pictures of him and stuff like that. Um, but you know, it'll be good to, to, to see him hit the ground running in the preseason when, whenever that is. Um, but you know, to, to keep ticking over, uh, I think, I think it'd be, it'd be better long-term. Yeah. Fully agree with you, mate. Fully agree. So moving, that's club news as, as such. Obviously, we've we've seen um, Koku has released a couple of interviews this week about just you know the, the way that Derby um, have t- taken to training. Obviously, slight mention as we mentioned earlier in the podcast with Dan, we played uh, two preseason friendlies earlier on this week against both against Stoke. Uh, Derby did their best to try and hide the results uh, for some strange reason, but it turns out that somebody was recording them. Um, Corey, I don't know if you saw it, but certainly uh, on Twitter, I saw Louis Sibley's goal, um, which looked a decent finish. Uh, and you would expect him to have quite an impact in in the final nine games. Um, a one nil win to start off with against Stoke. We played two games back to back, and then a, a one all draw um, in the second game with Mr. Yosef Zoon um, scoring. And every report I've had, Corey, has been that foreign Yosef Zoon has been an absolute beast since coming back from back into training and 
it's something that I know we've said on the pod before. He, he comes across as a player that he just needs that confidence boost. And he's one of them that, you know, with that crowd involved, is actually possibly going to help him. Um, and, I, and I'm all for that. It's all well and good doing it for these nine games. It's obviously any footballer's got to aspire to be able to play in front of a crowd. And, you know, there's no doubt about that. But, you know, if it helps us over this next nine games to achieve what Derby need, want, not need to achieve, want to achieve, there, which is obviously a top half finish there at least, then, you know, that's, that's a positive. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I read the, saw the same kind of things as well. And if Zosia Zun fires Darby to promotion, it would be very Darby for that to happen. Very Darby. Um, uh, but, you know, I think also these next nine games are going to be very strange. And I would just, you know, for me, I'm going to hit it with a grain of salt and a bit of caution that this is a strange new season the games are going to look different. The teams that they're playing against are going to be different. The pace is going to be different. So players that come and dominate or players that struggle in this kind of thing, it's a very small sample size. Granted, it is a sample size. They are competitive games. I understand that fully, but you know, if Yazov Zoom comes in the next nine games, he tears it up. Let's say he scores 15 goals or something crazy like that. You know, yeah, obviously you keep him around till next season, but you have to take it with a grain of salt that we are playing in unprecedented times under less crowds, under different conditions, less pace and things like that. So, you know, you might see a young player come in and do really well. That could be a majority of factors. Obviously it might be because he's supremely talented, which we obviously hope it is, but you know, sometimes with, with strange mini seasons and things like that, you can get some misnomers and some outliers. So that's the one thing I'm going to definitely try to caution myself is try not to get on the bandwagon of certain young players or certain things at at any given time. But um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see Joseph student turn it around. He's paid by Darby. Where's the Ram on his chest and and he'll have my support while he's here. Um, And I think we saw when he was early on in his career last year with Lampard, he scored against Holly. He did some, he had a, a fair few run of games, but I think, you know, Jason, you'll, you'll admit it as well. You know, Sometimes Derby fans are a bit too fickle and a bit too quick yeah. to make their minds up on players. And, you know, one or two bad stinkers of a game and, and, and they're riding him all the time. And, and it's going to be difficult for anybody when people are shouting that you're crap and that you're useless and you're a waste of time um, to produce. And, and, you know, just like being you, we have different personalities. We have different things that make us tick. And so, you know, sometimes those things affect people. Sometimes people have an insecurity inside. And I'm not saying that he is or he isn't insecure, but, you know, I know just for, you know, just talking to people, we all have insecurities. And so sometimes those can be exacerbated when you're playing in front of um, people that you're doing, just like me and you would go to a meeting and somebody might not like public speaking or someone might not be comfortable giving a presentation, you know, those kind of emotions come up as well. So, you know, it's just trying to alleviate those. And if he can turn it on for the next nine games, it would be a really good confidence boost for him. Like you say. Yeah, I fully agree with you. And like you said, I, just touching on that point, I, I think you are probably going to get players across, not just Derby across, across everybody that, probably take to this a little better than previous and fans might be a little bit surprised but of course I think you're going to get it obviously on the opposite side of the stick to that where you're going to have a couple of people that you know thrive on the crowd they thrive on a, on on, on a, that kind of a performance um, and obviously that's possibly going to be a negative as well as well so that I think this this first game as we mentioned last week I think all nine games are a bit of a free hit really um, I mean, it, it's in some respects a bit of a pity that Derby aren't firmer into the playoff mix because um, I think it really is a bit of a free hit for everybody this season. Whoever goes up this season's had a, had a bit of a meal ticket, if you ask me. Um, not that they don't deserve to be up there because obviously they've played three quarters of the season, but th- 
without the crowds, without that, I, I don't necessarily see how there's that much pressure. You know, Cocker has said that, you know, they're going to try and, and put in place what they can to make sure that they do the best for the fans and, you know, that kind of thing. But still, for me, I'm, I'm not so confident. I'm not so confident it's going to be as competitive. Um, and, you know, as we say, as we've mentioned many times in, in, in our division, when you've got that kind of money riding on it, you know, pre- pressure tells. Um, and like we were talking to Dan early, you know, a, a team going down to Millwall with that kind of hostile atmosphere, you know, a team now turning up and basically you may as well play it on the local park. It's, it's going to be massively different. And we've seen it in other, in other divisions and only, and only time will tell uh, what it's going to be like in the English game. Um, but yeah, I think it's a bit of an unknown. Um, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we've actually had today announced from some, sports um, MP or whatever you want to call it, that they're hoping for supporters to be back into the grounds by September. You would have thought if the end of this season is going to run till the end of July, beginning of August, then they're going to give them obviously four to six weeks pre-season. Um, I know they've got to make a little catch up. So, you know, probably starting the next season, hopefully beginning of September, that kind of, that you know, that kind of thing. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, how, how it all pans out, but at the end of the day, uh, football is back, uh, and that's and that's the main thing for me. Um, yeah, we'll have something to complain to about at weekend now. Absolutely, it's going to be very something. interesting to watch. Yeah, I'm looking forward to my Sunday being completely ruined by the uh, match result and being in a very bad mood. So, yeah, absolutely. I always look forward to that. Absolutely. So the final thing, um, I, I know we touched on it earlier. We we did do a small score prediction but we'll we'll do another little one and not going to change it but uh, yeah Millwall coming up as we say without the fans it was always going to be different um but as i said earlier in the pod i think you know a free any 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 point away from home is a good point uh, no matter where you go and as i say in these unprecedented times who knows what's going to happen um, I'm, I'm just interested in seeing, you know, for me personally, this first game, I'm interested to see where the Derby players are at. I'm interested to see if they've, in best they can, stuck to their regimes, how fit they look. I know I read something earlier. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, Corey, about the uh, Copper Italia final. Um, no. Obviously, Juventus played uh, Napoli and Napoli beat them on penalties. Um there was quite a bit of criticism in the paper uh, and on the post about Ronaldo. Uh, actually, surprisingly, he, he waited to take the fifth penalty, which obviously never ended up being taken because Juventus had missed two penalties to start off with and he wanted to grab the glory. And, and from that, there's a couple of uh, reports that basically he's looked absolutely awful in, the, in the, the first two games back. Just doesn't look fit, which... You know, from somebody of Ronaldo's stature, as, as we well know, um, that seems unbelievable in some respects. Um, and that's, you know, that's at the peak of the Italian game. So what kind of um, what kind of fitness level is going to come back into the championship? There's certainly going to be some very interesting uh, haircuts. I've seen uh, Martin Waghorn don the hairband. We've seen Max Bird don the hairband. I think Jaden Bogle's uh, has got nice... Uh, Nice dreadlocks in his ear at this moment in time. I saw Ben Amos is a little bit longer than normal, so you know all of that's going to be interesting uh, to see to see what happens. But um, I think all in all, you know, 
football is back, thank God. Um, and I'm just hoping it's it's not a bit of a letdown and not a disappointment, even though it's not going to be what we would expect from the from from the final nine games. Well, if Ronaldo's not fit, the good thing is they've suspended financial fair play. So Mel, get on your jet, get to Turin, and get him in. Let's let's uh, let's get the band back together so we can play with Wayne again. Um, because a half fit Cristiano Ronaldo at Derby, I'm <laughs> I'm 100% on board with that. Yeah, every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I think I think that it's it, for me. I'm going to look at it a little differently than what I did for football beforehand. Um, you know, obviously results always matter. It's a results business. But I think for me as a fan, I've been able to sit back and and, and kind of analyze a little bit more um, into the game and everything. Um, yeah. And it's going to be interesting for me to look at you know the style of play, like you say, what players are fit and whatever, and kind of look at it from a different aspect. Because to be honest with you, Jason, I don't anticipate a playoff run. I anticipate we, we maybe get a result or something against Millwall, but we've got a very small margin of error and the odds are very stacked against the, against Derby. So yeah, I, I'm just taking it as a bit of fun. I'm taking it as kind of an extended preseason tournament. You know, I always look forward to the preseason because they have different teams and they have different, you know, uh, puzzle nice pieces that them. fit together yeah, and, and, yeah, and, it, and it's a bit fun. Um, so I'm just, I'm just kind of looking at that. It'll be just good to watch something on a Saturday um, rather than just, you know, mindlessly playing PlayStation or, yeah. you know, finding something, you know, being healthy and going, going outside to kick a ball around. Why do that? when well, I can watch play, uh, watch TV. Um, but yeah, and I think that's, that's, that's going to be it for me. Obviously results are important, but for me, it's just, it's just going to be looking at different aspects, tactically movements. And I think, you know, we were talking about this off air that you'll be able to see, I think people will be able to see individual mistakes um, a little bit more without the crowd noise. Um, the one thing I did notice in the Premier League game, Villa and Sheffield yesterday was there was a lot less play acting. Um, players got fouled. They got right back up, obviously, except for Grealish because he got kicked hard a couple times. But, you know, I think you'll see that. I think that'll be good for the game. Um, obviously, the celebrations, they just score, turn around, go back to center circle and kick off, which is just a bit different and, and sometimes refreshing to see, you know, kind of an old school kind of celebration. Um, yeah, really, that's that's all I'm going to kind of look for is – look at individual players and, and try to see, okay, how does this fit in? And, and just think about, obviously I don't know his full on philosophy, but to kind of look at Kaku's philosophy is what I know as it of, um, that didn't make sense. What I know Kaku's philosophy is to a degree, um, kind of look at who's the thing and kind of think as a, as a director of football or as we have him here, general manager and think about where you could put whatever pieces. Cause I find that in that aspect interesting, um, you know, the back room, finance, football finance and everything like that. Um, aspect so that's going to be it for me and then you know get the season done and dusted um, play some of the youngsters get them some games um, and then get on to the important thing of unveiling the new kit yeah absolutely I, I fully agree with you uh, obviously we, we've upped it to five substitutes now that obviously is going to allow the likes of Hector Ingram to get minutes um, Buchanan you know th- th- those players uh, Archie Brown Jordan Brown whoever's up in that first team they're going now with five substitutes now with five substitutes they're going to get the choice they're going to get the chance which is great and hopefully develop on to uh, obviously Sibley and, 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 and the likes like that I think um, obviously it's all who knows we, we've seen we've now seen it in the German league. We've now seen it in the premier league. We'll see what the championship's like. And I'm sure when we, uh, when we congregate together for the next pod, uh, when, when we've already played a game. Um, and I think most notably, probably when you've played a home game and an away game as such, we'll start to have a bit more of a feel 
as to uh, as to what the other seven games of the season um, is going to offer. But certainly to start off with, like you say, um, I'm keen on just seeing them back. I'm keen on seeing where they are. Um, but in terms of results, you know, no, nothing with the running that Derby have got, nothing short of, of two wins from those first two games is going to be good enough, I don't think, unfortunately. But I think every other team are in the, you know, every team are in the same boat, aren't they? And I think that's the thing. Obviously, you you will have other teams that have probably got naturally fitter players in in some respects, but it, it's an open curve. So there's nothing to say that West Ham, uh, sorry, West Ham, West Brom can't struggle. There's nothing to say that Leeds won't bottle it again. There's nothing to say that Forest won't bottle it or or even strike on and and get them pushed for that automatic place. Um, I, I was reading, listening to another podcast yesterday that some people said that five points is a lot to catch up on in nine games. Well even with the running that Derby have got, I'm not so sure. I, I think that's quite easily done. Like I say, you you win those probably a bit closer towards the end of the season, you know, those last two or three games, four games maybe, where the, that fitness is just peaking, you know, again, the, the first two or three games are probably going to be a bit of a free hit. If you can catch teams out, I would be, I would argue the point that if Derby won their first two games outright, not we would be better off than five points away from the playoffs. It's a different, if it's a different conversation that me and you were having, yeah, if absolutely. Won games. Absolutely, in my opinion. So we'll wait and see. Looking forward to it, and uh, I can't wait for one o'clock kickoff on Saturday to see and see that first team sheet and get the nerves get the nerves going. Although, as I say, the cra- the crowds might not be there. My uh, my my love for Derby will will certainly will be. Yeah, and obviously. Same here. I'll be watching as best I can, and um, hopefully we can get a positive result for the Rams. And obviously, everybody on the socials and who listens to the pod, you know, send us your thoughts after the game. We'd love to include them and and love to 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 have a bit more interaction. So, absolutely, absolutely, everybody, definitely. Now football's back. That's really what the podcast's here for. It is called the Rams Review. That's what we do. We review the Rams, and there's nothing better than reviewing uh, reviewing the um the 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 action on the pitch. So. Um, we're in for a very exciting time. I think our time is up today, everybody. Thank you very much. Um, our thanks again go out to Dan from the first half of the podcast. Cracking, uh, cracking lad. Uh, hope all the best for the future for him. Corey, as always, it's it's been great to talk to you. And um, obviously, we know what's coming up. Um, we're not going to reveal too much. Uh, but what's coming forward? And uh, as I say, looking forward to Saturday's game for next week to uh, have a good chat on the pod about finally our first game of competitive football back our thanks to you as always yeah jason and you know i've had a lot of fun um doing these pods with you over the over the lockdown and hopefully, you know obviously we'll continue it uh, when we've got real football to talk about back so just thank you again for allowing me to be a part of it i really appreciate it as always as always uh, everybody guys who gets involved on the socials as, as always um get stuck in plenty of action that we put out on the facebook on twitter um and as always if you need to get in touch um you can you can look us up and find out how you can get in touch with us thanks very much guys and hopefully we'll speak to you next week with derby picking up the first result back uh, after the restart thank you for listening to the latest episode of the rams review podcast please remember to get in touch on the socials on twitter we are at rams review one our facebook is Rams Review Podcast, or you could drop us an email, ramsreview at hotmail.com. Until next time, thank you very much, and up the Rams.